0: Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Last week we kicked off a new series called Devoted. Would you say it with me? Devoted. Turn to the person next to you and say, Devoted. Uh, It's a series about seeking first what matters most. And so if we're going to seek first what matters most, what is that? It's seeking Jesus. And his, devotion, uh, his kingdom and being devoted to him. And so in this month of February, we are asking the question, what's winning the devotion of our lives? Like what is it that we are devoting our lives to and is winning our devotion? And there are so many areas where we can seek and we can do and we can devote our lives. Family. Business and career, relationships, uh, you know, uh, rest, health, all these different types of things that we can seek. But the scriptures say, seek first the kingdom of God and then all these things will be added to you. So we're saying, let's seek God first and he's going to take care of the rest. We looked at two points last week. The first point was devotion is part of our design. The second point was devotion is our best response. If you missed that message, you want to know what those points are about, you're going to have to jump onto our podcast, go to our YouTube channel. In fact, I'm just going to give a plug today for some of our socials. I, should, I think it should be on the screen. It's at Elevation Church Malb West, because Melbourne and West was too long. So it's Malb West. If you Google that, you're going to find our Instagram, Facebook, our podcast, our YouTube, our websites. You're going to find Google Maps. You're going to find everything that you need to know so you can stay up to date and listen to messages. Turn to the person next to you and say, that's great. All right, let's pray. Can we just turn me down a little bit, please, in the front of the house? That'd be awesome. Lord Jesus, this morning, we just thank you today that uh, you are here. Your presence is with us. We haven't come to play church or to do church. We've come to encounter Jesus Christ. So I pray already in our worship, we've met you and we've experienced your presence. I pray as we delve into scripture We see you again, and that you would speak to us, God. But we are here to hear from you, not from men or women, but to hear from the Almighty God. And so we thank you for that. And the church said... Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning. We're going to look at a parable called the parable of the pearl, Matthew 13. This is one of the shortest uh, parables that Jesus ever shared with. And I don't know about, about you, but for myself, I've always found that stories are a great way to learn something. I've always found that I learn by seeing or hearing a story that I, that I learned better than necessarily a teaching or some of those things. And so Jesus knew this, I mean, he created us, so he knows that. So what he often did was he taught through parables. Parables were stories, they were made up stories, they're not real stories, but they're stories that Jesus used to illustrate a point, to put across a concept, to to tell a moral of a story. And so today, we're going to read one of those parables, it's in Matthew 13, if you've got your Bibles, turn to it, verse 45, or you can see it on the screens. Let's read it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had, and brought it. That parable is 160 characters. If you take away some of the punctuation, it's 160 characters. Uh, If Jesus was around today and he had a Twitter account, does anyone have a Twitter account here today? If he had a Twitter account, he could have used that to send out one tweet to send this parable to his followers. Jesus, whenever he shared something, he shared it for a reason. He didn't use it to fill in time. He didn't use it as a stopgap for something else. He shared it for a reason. So today we're going to look into, break down, delve into why did Jesus share these 160 characters about a parable of the pearl and see how this relates to our series, Devoted. So what is this parable about? This parable is about being born again and becoming a citizen of the kingdom of God. It's about being born again and becoming a citizen of the kingdom of God. You're like, what? I thought this was about a, a pearl that he sells. See, have you ever heard the term kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God? Have you heard someone say that? Have you read it in scriptures? Have you perhaps said it yourself, the kingdom, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven? Oftentimes when we, think, when we hear that phrase, we think that it's referring to the king, God. We think it's referring to heaven where he is where he rules and reigns over all of creation, where him and all his glory and the, the heavenly realms and, and the angels all dwell and, and all those things. But no, the kingdom of God doesn't mean that in this particular instance, the kingdom of heaven. See, it's about this. When we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, something happened in our lives. And today, maybe you're here and it's the first time you're in church and, and you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior I want to give you an opportunity at the end of my message, and I believe that God will speak to you during my message to make you want to receive Jesus. But see, what happened was that there was something powerful that occurred spiritually when we invited Jesus into our life. There were two things that happened. See, there were these things that happened. There was a change of condition and a change of position. Do you like that? That rhymes. Dr. Seuss. I've been reading a lot of Dr. Seuss books to my son. Uh, There was a change of condition, a change of position. Say it to the person next to you. Change of condition, change of position. See, the change of condition is that we were born again and made a new creation. This condition in our lives changed. See, the old life ended and the new life began. We stepped into, we were transformed from that which we used to be into something new. Transformed to sinners, made into saints, change of condition, born again. There was also a change of position. We left the kingdom of darkness, which is a rule of sin and death. And we entered into a new kingdom, a kingdom of truth and life, the kingdom of God. And see, we're now under the reign of Him and our position changed from one kingdom to another. This is what the Apostle John says about what Jesus has done for us, talking about the kingdom of heaven. He says this in Revelation 1:5. To him who loves us and made us free from our sins and by by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. See, he says, has freed us from our sins. And made us to be a kingdom. See, it's saying here, Jesus has changed our condition. We're free from sin. Come on, anyone here this morning, is that something grateful to be free from today? The bondage of sin. And then he continues on and he says, He's made us a kingdom. Our position has changed. What then is the kingdom of God? How do we see the kingdom of God? How does it operate? What then is it? I like what John Dominic Crossan says. He gives us this insight The kingdom of God was a standard expression for what I have been calling the great divine cleanup of this world. It is what this world would look like if and when God sat on Caesar's throne or if and when God lived in Antipas's palace. See, the kingdom of God is not about a chunk of land. It's not a place that you can visit, that you can cross a border or go through a checkpoint or hand over a passport to be stamped. That's not what the kingdom of God is. See, the word kingdom, when we use it in this context, comes from the Greek word uh, that, that is basilia. And what it means is the act of ruling and reigning. The act of ruling and reigning. So the kingdom of God is the act of ruling and reigning. How God rules and reigns in our lives and on earth. For the longest time, this world has been under the oppressive thumb of sin and corruption and powers of evil. And we have been in a place where the world was under the dominion of principalities. And powers and, and demonic forces, which outworked through, you know, kings and governments and empires through corrupt, greedy, violent men and women, and, and in ways that they would destroy, oppress, and are unjust. But a new ruler has arrived, a new king has ascended, a new kingdom has come, and his name is Jesus, and he's ushered in a new kingdom. See, under this new rule, there's new life. There's new, we are born again. We are a new creation. There's a new way of being human. There's a new way to operate. See, it's a kingdom that rejects violence and suffering and embraces joy and peace and hope and blessing. It's a kingdom that has the principles that are so countercultural love your neighbor, turn the other cheek, uh, go the second mile, bless those who curse you, be generous. It's a kingdom that proclaims good news that brings sight to the blind, that brings freedom to the oppressed, that brings healing to the sick, deliverance to the bound. See, it's a new kingdom, not like any seen before. It doesn't seek revenge. It offers radical forgiveness. It's not about greed and self-accumulation. It's about radical generosity. It moves past self-centeredness and operates out of loving self Uh, sacrifice this is the new kingdom that Jesus has brought to this earth it's a kingdom not found in any throne room of any parliament house or throne of any empire it's a kingdom established in the throne of one place that no government no person no man could ever sit upon or enter into it's a kingdom that is born and placed into the throne of our hearts the throne of our hearts. See, the heart is the one place where someone can never, ever go. It's the one place where no matter if you are under an oppressive ruler, they, they can never get to the heart truly. So God doesn't come to a place. He comes to our heart. And this is why the Scriptures say the following in Romans ten nine: If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, Believe in your heart, not with your mind. Believe in your heart then that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. You will be saved. Salvation is saying, Jesus, I'm bringing my heart. I'm bringing uh, my life under your rule. I'm no longer about uh, building my own kingdom according to my own plans. I'm now about building your kingdom and about your plans. My heart is about your kingdom, God. Back to our parable, Jesus says, "You know what the kingdom is like? It's like a pearl. It's like a pearl. Uh, hands up today, any women here? Uh, maybe some guys, I don't know. But any women here today that have a pearl necklace or a pearl ear earring or a pearl bracelet? Come on, any? Don't be Don't be embarrassed. Hand up. Yeah, there's a few of us around here today. Awesome. So good. Uh, I did some research about pearls this week." I was like, this is pearl, I'm going to do some research. So I did some typing and I, and I typed in, what is the best pearl in the world? And um, the search result came back that there is a brand of pearl and uh, the highest quality luxury pearl you can get. And I reckon um, the younger ones might not know this, but I reckon the more senior, mature ladies here today will notice is the Mikimoto pearl. Have we heard of the Mikimoto? Google didn't let me down. They're the top tier pearl. They're the best pearl you can get. Uh, uh, they're rated even higher than a Tiffany pearl, the Mikimoto pearl. And so if you've got a Mikimoto pearl, just thank that person who gave it to them. If you bought it yourself, well done. You, you went right to the top. Good on you today. There's a lot of men I'm talking right now and like eyes are rolling in the back of their heads. They're like Mickey Watto. And uh, let me give it to you how you would explain it. The Mikimoto pearl in the pearl world is like the Lamborghini in the car world. Okay, the guys get it now. It's, it's up there. It's pretty 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 amazing. Here's the thing. Pearls probably today aren't as popular as they used to be. Like right back in the golden era of Hollywood, back in the day, you know, for the famous movie stars, pearls were probably a little more common back then. But in the times of Jesus, in the times of antiquity, pearls were extremely, extremely valuable. In fact, my research says that they were one of the most precious items that someone could ever own. They're One of the most precious things you could buy, buy the most precious items. So what does this reveal about the kingdom of God? Let, let, let me give you two sh- thoughts this morning, quick thoughts if you're writing this down. Number one, the kingdom of God is not worth something, it's worth everything. It's not worth something, it's worth everything. Jesus is making it very clear to us that being a recipient, being received into a participant into the kingdom is worth far more than anything else we could ever own or possess. It's worth far more than that. See, when we were born again into His kingdom, we didn't just discover something. We weren't just walking down the road and then we found $50 on the, on the floor, you know what I mean? We weren't, we weren't just stumbling along. We came upon this, oh, look at this restaurant. No, we didn't just find something. We discovered everything. Everything. See, we found the greatest pearl that any human could ever find. We, we found freedom and hope. We found forgiveness. We found joy and peace. We found a redemption from our sins. We found a, re- a relationship with our Creator. We found a new identity in Christ, a holy call, a new purpose, a source of meaning like no other. In Philippians 3:7, this is Paul. And Paul was an extremely educated man. He was zealous. He was a zealot amongst zealots. More zealous, he said. He was a learned man, educated Pharisee. He he had it all going on. In his time, he was it. You know, if you want to talk about Alpha Male, it was Paul. He says this, looking back. I once thought that these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Paul says, come on, I didn't just find something. I've got everything now in the kingdom of God. Number two, the kingdom of God requires a radical response. The merchant, Jesus said, sold everything he had to acquire the pearl. It's like everything I've got. I, I'm giving it all away. I'm selling it so that I can acquire this pearl. And it, it, you know, right now, if you're listening to that, you probably think, "Oh no, here we go. Pastor's going to give it to us right now. Sell everything you own, give it to the church or to charity or to someone else." No, no, no that's actually not what this this parable is talking about. Uh, the context of this parable it's not about possessions. It's about priorities. This parable is not about possessions. This parable is about priority Je- priorities. Jesus isn't calling us to sell all we own. Rather, he's calling us to radically and totally reset our priorities. Hey, let's be generous. Yeah, maybe there's some things in our lives so we can get rid of and give to other people. Maybe there's all these things we believe in, tithes and offerings in this church and generosity. But he's saying it's not about selling things. It's about radically resetting your priorities. And we talked about it last week, let's put Jesus at the front of the priorities of our life and all these other things we have to do. And as we do that and we pour and, 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 and our, our activity and time is poured into Jesus, he'll overflow into every other area of our life. But he's calling us to reset the priorities. Jesus is saying, don't just make my kingdom a priority, make it the priority. Come on, don't just make it one of the priorities in your life. Don't make it in the list. Make it the priority at the top. Make it the most important thing in your life. Make it the top priority of your life. Place it above anything and everything else that would deliberately distract or turn you away from or push you or hinder you from pursuing, gaining and acquiring the kingdom of God. The keys could come today. That'd be great. There's a a book written by Klein Snowgrass, and it's a book about the comprehensive guide to the parables of Jesus. And if you know you want to go and look at that, you can grab that one day. But he says this uh, about the parable of the pearl. He says, It is clear too that we cannot be focused on our things and do justice to God's kingdom. God's tr- call trumps all else in life, and it is worth it. Come on, let's hear that today. It is worth it. If the kingdom is present, Sorry, we also need to realize what time it is. If the kingdom is present, radical response is needed now. Needed now. Needed now. If, if the kingdom is worth all we have, then joy and celebration should accompany our finding and involvement with the kingdom. The problem with most of us is that we would like to, a little of the kingdom as an add-on to the rest of our lives. We want to hedge our bets. You cannot hedge your bets with this kingdom. This parable urges us to abandon what we thought was the focus of life and focus entirely on what God is doing with the kingdom. You know, in this series about devotion, I wonder how much of your life, my life, is devoted towards seeking, building, establishing God's kingdom here on earth. This series on devotion, I wonder how much of your life, my life, is devoted to bringing the good news of God's kingdom to earth. How much of your life or my life is devoted to using the influence that we have to demonstrate to people, to show people what life is like under the reign of Jesus. Oh, come on, you might know what life is like under the reign of the prince of this world. It's 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 despair, it's loneliness, it's brokenness. But I want to tell you about a reign that you may not never have heard of. It's a reign under a king called Jesus. And the devotion on series: How much are you and I devoting our time, our our being, to growing and serving our local church community? And last week we asked a question. I ended by asking a question of us as a church, as a community, as a body of believers. I asked the question: How much of our heart does Jesus truly have? As we looked at devoting, uh, being devoted to Jesus. This week the question we ask is: How much of our purpose does Jesus truly have? We've got our heart. But then this week, how about our purpose, our action, our doing, our plans? How much does God have? See, to live in the kingdom of God is to lay down our own purposes, to lay down our own plans, to lay down our own wants and desires, to lay down our own will and to say, Jesus, I entrust them all into your hands, but I want to seek you and your kingdom. I want your plans, your desires This is what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24. Then he said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul for the Son of Man? came down with his angels in the glory of his father and will judge all people according to the deeds Jesus says to his disciples you can live your life seeking and serving yourself living in your own desires and plans and purposes and think that you are saving your life but in fact in the uh, echo of eternity your life will be lost it will come to nothing in light of eternity but If you would lay down your life, if you would lay down, Jesus, I give you my plans, I give you my purposes, Jesus, I sacrifice, I lay down my desires for you, Lord God. If you would give that to Jesus, you think you're losing your life, but the scriptures say you're actually gaining life. Because see, what you're letting go is of your life when you're gaining the life of Jesus. You're gaining Jesus' life. Francis Chan says, Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. That don't really matter. God, I pray at the end of our lives, we don't look back and say, Wow, we had all this success, but it wasn't truly in the areas that matter. And I want to tell us today, areas that matter are eternal things. I'm not saying don't go out there and give your best to life and provide and, And do all these things but come on we got to think what matters in the light of eternity it's serving god it's serving each other it's serving his church it's going out and reaching a lost world that needs to know about a savior that loves them so much he came down to earth lived a perfect life died for them but rose again in new life let's seek things that matter most as I close today, if we're going to seek first what matters most, then we need to devote our lives to the kingdom of God. We need to devote our lives to the kingdom of God. and To every person here in this room, if you want to close your eyes, to every person here in this room, to everyone watching on the live stream or listening back on the podcast today, what is God calling you to this year? what is God calling you to maybe I ask you that question and you're like I haven't even asked I haven't even thought I'm not even seeking hey this is not a message to condemn you this is a message to get you to focus on God say hey God what are you calling to me calling me to this year what, what areas you know the different areas that you could call me to to our church to serve are you calling me to tithe are you calling me to lead a life group am I being called to 10 regularly, what is God calling me to? What is God calling you to do this year in your family? What's God saying to you? How's the Holy Spirit leading in your family? Husbands, love your wives. Parents, love your children. Is He asking you to love more? Is He asking you to extend more grace? Come on, extend grace. Is He asking you to give yourself sacrifice? Is He asking you to forgive? In your family, what's God asking you to do? Uh, What what is God calling you to do this year in your workplace, in in your business? What's God calling you to do this year in your school, your university? How is God asking us to let His kingdom, His rule and reign come into our lives so that we might be devoted to Him? so that we might bring God's kingdom rule and reign not just here on a Sunday morning where it is so easy to be in the presence of God It is so easy to lift our hands up it is so easy to say yes God your kingdom come Your, your your will be done but how we are going to leave this place go out into our life and say God your kingdom your kingdom I'm devoted to your kingdom. I'm devoted to you Jesus I'm devoted to your kingdom to your kingdom pray right now god this morning i just pray in our lives this morning i pray that there would be a radical response in our hearts to receive the kingdom of god today lord i just pray lord god that we would pursue it with all of our being just like that merchant god gave up everything to seek that pearl jesus that pearl is a picture of the kingdom of god god's rule and reign over our lives i pray today we haven't just found something. Today, if you follow Jesus, you've invited him to your life, I want to let you know you haven't just found something. You haven't just invited something to add on to your life. You've discovered everything. Today, maybe as I'm praying, you want